CPA and CFP Don Cash has made it his life's work to help people like you plan their finances and achieve their retirement goals. It's time for your money and your life. Hey, everybody. Welcome into the podcast. Thanks for hanging out with Don Cash and myself here on Your Money and Your Life as we talk investing, finance, and retirement with Don, who's a CPA and a CFP at Donald W. Cash and Associates. Don, my friend, what is going on? The flowers are in full bloom. My allergies are killing me, but boy, the weather is so nice outside. How's everything going in your area? Yeah, I'll tell you, Mark, it's, uh, the flowers are starting to bloom here. Not probably. I'm guessing they're in full bloom where you are. Birds are chirping at 6 a.m. outside of my window. That's and the right. pollen is everywhere. Um, and uh, you know that's, that's something that my wife suffers from. I'm not sure if you suffer from Big time. allergies. Yeah. Oh, yeah. She's, she's uh, itching and sneezing. But um, one of the things that we faced here, again, we talked about this last time, is power outages. Still going I mean, every, on, huh? Yeah, every time there's a windstorm, it seems like we lost, we lose power for uh, sometimes a couple hours, sometimes longer. So it's a continual frustration. But did get the appointment to have the generator installed, the whole house generator. Mm, yeah. So this way that uh, you know, if we lose power again, we just kick it. A lot of kick over. Yep. Yep. Takes been... over. It's connected mm-hmm. to the gas, but. You know, here's what we're finding, and we found this when we were trying to do some renovations for the house. Everything that you try to do requiring a contractor is is delayed months. Oh, yeah. So this is apparently, if you order a generator now, you'll get it before Thanksgiving. <laughs> oh, Six months. Really? Oh, well, that soon, huh? That's crazy. Yeah. Yeah, it's but like that's, a- just the na- yeah, that's the nature of, uh, you know how busy a lot of these contractors are. Yeah, and it's the same thing. It's the same conversation with the lumber stuff. I was just talking with a family member who uh, had been planning to build a house, like, you know, build his own place. And uh, all the stuff that he had lined up, you know, a year ago is now, you know, double what it was. So you know, he's, now he's got to sit and wait because the price of building the house is literally doubled. So, mm. you know, it's just kind of a kind of goofy. Well, we're into the final week here. We're in the, I guess this is the fifth week of April. It's a five-week a month this year. And usually, you know, we're now just a little bit past tax day, Don, but uh, the extended, of course, this year. So if you haven't finished, you got a couple more weeks to go uh, before the May 17th drop. Yeah, now it's um, now it's the May 17th. They say it's a one-month delay, Mark, so you figure, well, this is May 15th. <laughs> right. <laughs> <laughs> May 15th falls on a Saturday, so it's the 17th on a uh, Monday. But even with a month extended, Mark, people still wait until the last minute if they're not getting a refund. It's just, uh, I guess, human nature. But be mindful that if you're putting things off, um, that you still have that usual quarterly tax estimate. It's due at the same time. So you have <laughs> <Yep>. April, June, <laughs> September, and January. So the first one, the first quarterly estimate was due a couple of weeks ago, April 15th. So I know it's a bit confusing. You know what? It's funny. I did it backwards too. I did this. I did exactly what you were talking about. I had to pay quarterly taxes, and I, you know, based and I had to wind up owing the government, so I went and had my taxes, got them all done with my CPA, and I sent them, and I sent them backwards. I meant to send the quarterly because they were due first, and wait a few, you know an extra week or two on the the uh, the end of the year since it's May seventeenth, and I did it the opposite way. Ah, <laughs> so I had to turn right around and send out both checks, and that was no fun. Well, hopefully that's a mistake that uh, that won't be made next year because everything will be unified again. Well, we hope. We hope, right? <laughs> well, that actually brings us to my conversation this week. We're going to talk a little bit about uh, the 100 days. We're 100 days in with uh, uh, President Biden here, and this is week. Uh, this week is his first joint session 
of Congress, uh, the speech to Congress, and he's going to address things like capital gains tax. You and I were just talking about that before we started taping for high income earners with incomes over a million per year. So if you saw that news piece yesterday at the time we're taping this, how does this going to affect those folks, Don, out there who are thinking about this or worried about this uh, and for the rest of us even that are earning less than that amount? Yeah, I mean, it's a great question. And, you know, people originally, uh, I guess, think that when they hear these things with the proposal over a million, well, it doesn't affect me, right? There's right. only, I don't know, a couple of hundred thousand taxpayers that that uh, have over a million dollars in income, but it really does affect, you know, a, a good part of of the population. And just to get back to that joint session of Congress mm-hmm. speech, yeah. which is this week, it's really a type of a State of the Union speech, right, for the president's first few months in office. Right. So for President Trump, it was in early 2017. And, you know, in addition to, like, they always have the laundry list of proposals, Mark. There's going to be this proposed capital gains tax increase for high earners. Uh, and it's getting, of course, a lot of attention. I'm getting a lot of questions on this. Mm-hmm. When it was floated, though, last week, I'm not sure if you remember this, the stock market dropped like 300 points in a couple of hours. Yeah. Oh, exactly. Uh, and people are very concerned about the capital gains tax and, and how it affects. You know, we've talked corporate tax and estate tax, capital gains tax. A lot of these things we're hearing different conversations piece. So talk a little bit about that and how it typically affects most people. Yeah. So just to be clear, the capital gains tax, it's a tax that differs from the ordinary income tax. So look at this with their parallel taxes. The ordinary income tax is a tax that most people see on working income and retirement income. So the income you get from things like your your wages from work, uh, pensions, IRA income, or annuity income, interest income from bank accounts, things like that, mm-hmm. that is what they call ordinary income. And there's seven tax brackets for ordinary income. They start at 10% and they go up to 37% for people that are earning over $500,000 a year. And the bracket's different if, if you're married or single. So right. there are two different brackets for married or single people. There's one called head of household too, which is much more rare. Uh, the capital gains tax it's a special tax on items of so-called capital gains. So that tax is on assets for held more than one year, that special capital gains tax. Mm-hmm. And there are two tax brackets, right? So there are, there are those who earn less than the top tax rate of five hundred to $600,000 per year. For those people, the rate is 15%. So the tax rate is 15% for the vast majority of people. Right. So for people at the top tax rate, the capital gains tax rate is 20%. And there's also a special tax of 3.8% on Medicare surcharge that brings the top rate to 23.8%. Kind of a weird number, but that's the reason why it's 23.8%. So these are typically for items like um, real estate that people hold for over a year, or stocks, a mutual funds that are outside of an IRA, or a, a business, a family business, or a farm, or something like that. So, for example, let's say you buy a stock mark for ten thousand okay, dollars, right? Right. You hold it for ten years, and you sell it for fifty thousand dollars. If you sold it, you would have a gain of. 
$40,000. Right. And pay a federal tax of 15% if you weren't in the top rate or $6,000. Okay. And the same concept would hold true for these other assets. Right. Okay. So, and that's the capital gains tax because you gained money. And so, therefore, you're paying uh, that, that uh, percentage, 15% or 20%. So, if this proposed change only affects those folks who make over a million, uh, how might it affect the rest of us? Ah, okay. So, that's where it gets interesting, right, Mark? Mm, it's, okay. The old saying is, the devil is in the details. <laughs> right. <laughs> and this also collides with something I, I call the law of unintended consequences. Oh, okay. Okay. So... Some people might remember, this is going back a ways, but in 1993, so what is going back almost 30 years, 28 years ago, there was a luxury tax leveled on yachts, jewelry, furs, jets, and watches. Okay. Okay? This was like a Clinton era tax. So it was a 10% tax on items, you know, like boats, for example, over $300,000. Okay. Gotcha. And 10% on these other items as well. So it was supposed to yield like $9 billion. Okay. It was scrapped after two years because it raised like $12 million. (laughs) Okay. Okay. Here's the unintended consequence, Mark. The problem was it devastated workers who were in these industries. Ah, yes. Right? So when you tax something, you get less of it. So rich people bought fewer luxury goods and workers lost jobs. It was the quintessential lose-lose proposition. I got you. Well, that makes sense in that setup. So what would be the effect you know, to the increase of the capital gains tax, Don, for those top earners then? Okay, let's go over that. But let's keep in mind one big variable, Mark. Okay. This is only a proposal. True, right? it is not through yet, right. Yes, yeah, so the president does a mad wave a magic wand and it becomes law. Okay, so there's a divided Senate and Congress. We've talked about this in the past. It's 50 50, 50 Democrat and 50 Republican senators with a very slim six seat advantage in the House of Representatives, right? So there's 435 members of Congress and there's only a six seat advantage. Yeah, Democrats. And, and that might change a little bit based on the census. You got it. I was going to bring that up. Yeah. The, the result of the census, they just announced that, the census that was uh, finished in 2020, mm-hmm. was that states like California, New York, and Michigan are losing seats to states like Nevada, Texas, and Florida. Yeah, people right? moving. And, Nor- and your state of North Carolina. Yeah, exactly. So this is a composition, really a recipe for gridlock. So that being said, let's look at the details and the direct and indirect effects, all right, for the proposal. Yeah. Of course, it's not passed yet. If the capital gains tax goes from 23.8%, right, to the, for the high-income earners, mm-hmm. to 39.6%, that's what they're proposing, plus the 3.8% surcharge, Ouch. that would be 43%. Now, if you add that, Mark, to states like California, New York, even New Jersey here, where the state capital gains tax could be 14 or 15%. It's a little bit less in New Jersey than that. But that would be a total tax close to 60%. Ouch, yes. So the result would be, I think, three things. One, a reduction in stock values, right? Not good for everyone with 401ks and IRAs. Job losses, 
which would be devastating for the economy, you know, re- recuperating now. Oh, yeah, yeah. From what happened last year. In fact, I'm seeing help wanted signs all over. I'm not sure if you're seeing this too. Yeah, and actually, that's the it's a that's the next big problem is people are not really going and taking these jobs because of some of the other stuff that's going on. So that's right. Yeah, it's a whole I mean, other I'm animal. Th- I'm seeing help wanted signs places I never saw them before. Yeah. The post office, right? The, yeah, my chiropractor can't find you know office you know, office uh, receptionists and things of that nature. Uh, a lot of places where you think that's that's a pretty decent job to get, you know, and it's just not happening. Yeah, high um, high wage jobs, that sort of thing too. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, also, another thing that I see happening if this moves forward, mm-hmm. which I have my doubts, is a massive relocation of wealthy people from high-tax states like New York, New Jersey, California, right. to states like Tennessee, Texas, Florida, Nevada, which uh, we have Arizona. Seen, yeah, we've seen that as well. Elon Musk, right? He personally moved from California to Texas. So. Absolutely, yep. and and that we you know we've seen this even pre-COVID with people moving to these tax-friendly states, but it certainly has picked up steam over the past year with COVID. True, yeah. Right? I mean, people can work on Zoom, they can work remotely, they can move to states that are more friendly to their wealth. And if you think about it this way, Mark, if the federal tax rate goes up by 20% to 43%, the wealthy, as I mentioned, will simply move from a state like New York and save 16% right off the bat, right? They're shaving their loss <laughs> exactly. from 20% increase to, to 4%, right? Yeah. If they do raise the taxes, right? So this would just be devastating to states like New York, New Jersey, California, that are already hurting, as I mentioned. And it helps states like Texas and Florida, which ironically are already doing quite well. Yeah, and that seems to me like a lot of times I saw the press conference with the with the gentleman talking about that on Biden's staff, and he was really pushing really hard about it. it's not a big deal unless you're a high income earner and so on and so forth. And the just don't really understand what people are thinking, like if they're really thinking these things all the way through. So that's a great illustration that you did, Don, there to kind of uh, break that down for us. Yeah, I think that people, Mark, they reflexively think that if taxes go up on the rich, it's simply being fair right? Yeah. And leveling the playing field. So it, it can play well to voters and it gets the momentum moving in one direction, right? However, what people fail to realize is that in many states, the top 1% of taxpayers pay almost 50% of all the income taxes, right? Yeah. So whatever your political position, the reality is that if a person or a family moves to another state, there's a tremendous drop in tax revenue, and all of us are left to pay even higher taxes, right? So the, the rich just pick up and move, and as I mentioned before, it's even easier right. to do now post-COVID <laughs> when yeah. more and more affluent people are working remotely. Yeah, and they've got the resources for that. So again, you know, unintended consequences, right? So uh, what about the step up in basis conversation, the issue with the capital gains? Aren't they looking at trying to change that as well? You know, Mark, that's sort of like what I call like a stealth issue, right? (laughs) Kind of really hard to like wrap your mind around this step up in basis Mm -hmm. issue. And and I find that so many people that I encounter, you know, folks that before they became clients, when I had conversations with them, affluent people really don't have a good understanding of this. 
So yeah, for sure, it, it's an unintended consequence, and it's something that um, they've been talking about and trying to push through. And that's been something they've been trying to push through for several years. So let's just talk about that. And that's where a lot of the middle and working class people get trapped and categorized, Mark, with the rich. So I'll give an example. And I think I may have given something close to this example in one of the last shows. But let's say, you know, here in New Jersey, we see a lot of this. Your mom bought a home for $50,000 near the beach okay, right. in 1980, right? When you were a baby, right? 1980, <laughs> when you were a youngster. Were you born in 1980, Mark? I yes, I was born in 71. <laughs> <laughs> I was nine in 1980. So. so most of us who remember 1980, you know, remember that those were the days when houses were much less expensive. Right. So you could buy a vacation home at near the beach for $50,000. And let's say that's worth a million dollars today, which is also not unusual. Right. So $50,000 is what they call the basis in the st- in the uh, the value of the home. Right. Okay. And $1 million is the sale price. So if mom sells the home, there's a $950,000 gain. All right? Difference between the sale price and the and the and the basis, the price she bought the home for. Mm-hmm. So this $950,000 gain gets added if she sells the home to all mom's income that year. So to Social Security, pension, IRA income, and suddenly in this one year, mom is lumped in with millionaires and she pays the top tax rate of 60%. Mm, yeah. Kind of shocking. Yeah, right? really. So for that one year only, she may have income of $1.1 million. The way that middle income people have avoided this, Mark, is with this so-called step-up-in basis at death rule that's been in effect for many, many, many years. So let's say instead of the example I just gave, mom does not sell the house, but she leaves the home to the family in her will. So when mom dies and leaves the home to her kids and they sell the home for $1 million, the basis of $50,000 gets what they call stepped up to the value of $1 million, which it was at her death. So if the sale price is a $1 million when the kids sell the home and the basis is $1 million, there's There's zero tax due at death. Got it. So the current Biden proposal they're talking about would change this. Yeah, and that's a you know that's going to be a big unexpected tax hit to the family because they're thinking about eliminating that. Correct? Oh, for sure. I mean, there's no doubt that that's unexpected, right? And the reason that tax is quite unfair is if mom bought that beach house in 1980 for fifty thousand dollars, there's no index for inflation when it comes time to pay the tax. What I mean by that is the current inflation value of $50,000 from 1980 today might be two or $300,000. Yet the tax is on the difference between the sale price today and 50000 So the same concept is true for stock or family business or collectible. There's no indexing for inflation. You got to wonder sometimes, do you think politicians think these things all the way through? You know, <laughs> it seems like sometimes you wonder if they do or if they don't. You know, Mark, I think that certainly they're getting an earful 
from the people who are going to be affected by this, right? Certainly from the you know special interests that always have an, yeah, an inside access, yeah. like the Wall Street firms, the real estate industry, and certainly, certainly state representatives who are going to be potentially losing tax revenue. But, you know, from where we sit now politically, like I said, I think I'd be surprised if there's any substantial changes in the capital gains tax rates. But the step up in basis, that's an, uh, another issue. In some form or fashion, I think that may pass through. But, you know, whenever there's something that people start focusing on, what we need to do as advisors is look at where the insiders in Washington are headed that don't make headlines. And I think of something, Mark, like what I read last week, the surprise announcement in IRS publication 590-B. Okay. Uh, I'll, I'll, I'll take a nibble here. What is publication 590-B, <laughs> <slash> Don? <laughs> well, I'm glad you asked. Thank you. Thank you. That's sort of an old Johnny Carson joke. That's right. I'm glad you asked. Well, this is a surprise announcement that affects the tax on IRAs that people leave to their heirs, especially their kids, right? So this is like a real thing, Yeah. right? This is something that affects almost everybody. So this relates to changes made via what was called the Secure Act of 2019. I love these names, Mark, by the way. Oh, yeah. We talked about that on our way, uh, way back on an early podcast. Oh, yeah. yeah. The Secure Act. And the CARES Act. The CARES. Yeah. It's making things secure. And, of course, we know how much all the politicians care so much. That's right. That's right. It's the CARES Act. So the Secure Act of 2019. Now, this publication 590B, right? So this makes changes to the so-called 10-year rule for how much heirs need to take out of their IRA for taxation from their inherited IRA. Mm-hmm. So these are the kind of things that they sneak into the rules that people don't pay attention to that can you know, really affect the family. And if a mistake is made by the heir of an IRA, it could cause literally tens of thousands or maybe hundreds of thousands of dollars in taxes and penalties. Yeah, because with the basically the, the elimination of the stretch IRA, Don, down to the 10 years, right? That's kind of that was that first piece. But then the IRS, I didn't realize it was called that, but they did come through and put some guidelines, I guess, on how they want to see that. And so there is a tax penalty uh, in that, which is a hefty penalty if you don't take out your, your correct distributions. It's 50%. I mean, that's, that's a big five zero. Yeah, it's 50%, not only for heirs, Mark, who do it wrong, but for for us that own our IRAs, right? So we hit a certain age, we have to take money out. Right. The, the new age is 72. Yep. It used to be 70 and a half, that weird age, 70 and a half, but now it's 72. So at that point, you must take money out of your IRA. Yeah, the RMDs, yeah. The required minimum distribution, mm-hmm. RMD, correct. If you make a mistake, it's a 50% penalty on the shortage. And it's the same penalty, 50% for the heirs. So it adds up to perhaps, you know, 50% penalty. And you add that to maybe a 30, 40, a 50% income tax rate. <laughs> right. yeah. And you can see what happens to your IRA market. Yeah. It, it could disappear faster than a beer at a NASCAR race. <laughs> <laughs> 
<laughs> oh man but you know what all joking aside that's i mean that's some hefty numbers you're talking about i mean so yeah you're you can really be on the hook for a lot of that so we've got to i mean that's kind of the point of making sure that we're working with somebody in my opinion don because that's where you get into there's so many little things the minutia uh you know growing wealth accumulation i've said this many times on a lot of different shows the accumulation phase is a little bit easier sometimes than you know people give it credit to be but the distribution and the preservation phase what you guys do what you do it's a lot more complicated yeah you know i i always talk about that the accumulation phase and Mm -hmm. i think you put that well let's say if you're 25 to like 55 or 60 years old that's the accumulation phase yeah once you hit like 50s, 60s, then you're getting into the the income distribution and asset protection phase, right? Right. And there's a million little things to deal about. Moving deal parts, with, yeah. From IRAs, insurance, Social Security, Medicare, right? And, you know, what we try to do is help people breathe a sigh of relief to be able to live their best life you know, and, and enjoy the fruits of their labor. But, you know, I have to give credit to my planning partners for the, the heads up on that publication, uh, 590B, that IRA change. Mm-hmm, right. Uh, you know, people like Ed Slott, Ian Berger, Sarah Brenner, these are my inside baseball people, uh, my team that are constantly keeping up with what's going on in Washington, D.C. And, you know, I can never do what I do without great people. Well, that's a great way of looking at that and uh, kudos to those as well. And that's really, I mean, it's kind of what sets things apart, Don, when you're talking about it. That's why we always offer things like the 15-minute phone call, have a conversation. It sets stuff apart from other advisors. Certainly as a CFP and a CPA, you're familiar with a lot of the ins and outs uh, of retirement planning, but you have people working with you that are experts in the related fields within those things like the IRAs or the tax or the legal, the social security, insurance. And again, all of that is really part of why you should have a conversation with a financial professional such as Don. So reach out to him, folks, if you're not working with him already. Give him a jingle at 800-664-1183. That's 800-664-1183. Don't forget you can stop by the, the website. You can stop by the podcast website at doncashpodcast.com. That's doncashpodcast.com. You can drop us a line. You can subscribe to us on whatever platform you like to use. So lots of good ways to get in touch with Don. All right, my friend. So I'm going to let you go this week. Thanks for enlightening us a little bit and sharing some of this information. We'll keep an eye on this. Obviously, we'll probably talk more about it if it goes through. We'll see. All right, Mark. Be well. You do the same, and we'll see you next time here, folks, on the show. Don't forget to hit the subscribe button again on whatever platform you like to use for your money and your life with Don Cash, CPA and CFP at Donald W. Cash and Associates. Investment advisory services offered through Donald W. Cash & Associates, LLC, a registered investment advisor in the state of New Jersey.